Welcome to another podcast of Redemption Tempe, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. My name is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are on week six of our Exile series. I'm joined by Ricardo and Josh, two of the other pastors. Guys, it's good to have you on. Hey. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Thanks for having us, Greg. Thank well, you, you Greg. know, it's just, it's my pleasure to have you on this podcast. Uh, it's we're, we're talking about week six here in Exiles. It's been a really good run. Um, what have, what have in general, like, what have you guys thought so far about our Exile series? Yeah. If we can kind of just recap to not even just the series, but the Genesis or the inception of it was, um, listening to a podcast called This Cultural Moment as uh, two pastors, so Mark Sayers, who we've had on the podcast, and also John Mark Comer in, in Portland, really talk about just this place where we are and our culture and our moment and how we have a way forward and our faith and just listen to that podcast. They were like, this is really helpful. Mm -hmm. And so it's been interesting now starting a series with that idea and looking at the book of Daniel. And, um, I would say there's probably two series over the last three years that I feel like have been my most favorite. And also I feel like received really well by the congregation. One was the judges series. Yeah. Um, I think judges provided something that people couldn't come to church every Sunday and go, Oh, I've heard this before because mm -hmm. like, most people don't read judges. And I think this one, and I think just the combination of the teaching that is connecting to culture, yeah. um, whether we're talking about individualism, whether we're talking about consumerism and so forth. Um, but also the podcast and the blogs where I think it's really challenging our people. But personally, I would say, it's challenging me. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things and a lot of sinful things. I would see idolatrous ways that I see um, that are definitely crept into my own life in terms of uh, all of the idols, the cultural yeah. idols that were the isms that were, that the were isms. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. about you, Josh? Yeah, one of the things that's really struck me has just been we can't approach mission in our context today as if we're going to some Aboriginal tribe somewhere that's never mm -hmm. heard the gospel. This is like their first exposure to Christ, but just going that we live in a society that, in essence has tasted the gospel in some ways and regurgitated it and is somewhat sickened by the memory of the taste. Maybe that was bad experience, unhealthy experience, maybe some legit and didn't like, you know, but just the reality of it, it, it's a unique situation when you're attempting to live faithfully in and display the gospel to uh, a, a culture that feels like been there, done that and not yeah. really interested. And just the weight of, if you're not grounded and rooted in the, the beauty and glory of who God is and what he's done, uh, the pressure actually pushes the other way that often our attempt to be relevant. We actually can be conformed and, and become, uh, shaped by the idols and ideologies of our day. That was the second, I think, big thing for me uh, on a 50,000 foot level in the series has just been, the kind of idols, ideologies, things that Daniel was wrestling with back then, we still have today. Mm -hmm. Like it, it may be the, the form of it looks a little different, but the content and kind of driving, uh, pulse behind it is still the same. And so as much as we live in a unique moment, in some ways we live in the same moment, yeah. so, you know, like the context of exile and how do we live faithfully in the midst of some of these pressures and forces like consumerism, like individualism, like hedonism, like nationalism, how do we live faithfully as the body of Christ in the midst of our time and place today? Yeah, that's good. I think, um, you both said things. My, my brain is just running with so many different thoughts. Um, but one of them, Josh, on what you're talking about, this is all of these concepts are not new. Like they're very, they feel very, um, normal, like part of our everyday life, all of these isms that we talked about. And <clears throat> 
I think going into the series, I was kind of like sitting back and I've talked to a couple people um, on Sundays and stuff who have felt similar sitting back and seeing like, oh, okay, we're going to read through the first six or seven chapters of Daniel and we're going to cover nationalism, hedonism, individualism, you know, all of these things that's like, okay, let's, let's see how they're going to do this. And none of them were a stretch. Like they fit so well in the context of Daniel and, um, really made the text come alive in a way that it was like, I feel like we can sometimes look at the Bible, especially at times the old Testament and be like, ah, well that was then this is now times are so different. How do we apply this to today when we're just such a different culture? And that in and of itself probably fits in one of the isms that we talked about through this series. Um, just thinking like we've reached the pinnacle of, of culture and, <laughs> and time, but we're really not that different. We're, we're dealing with similar things that, um, that the people in, in the Israelites in the old Testament and, um, even in the new Testament, we're dealing with. So I think mm -hmm. that's a really, it's been really helpful to make the text come alive. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Ricardo, you mentioned the blogs, uh, and podcasts, the podcasts have been fun to see and be a part of, but I think some of the sleeper hits that we've had during this series have been the blogs that we've had. We've had some people, um, who we've had the opportunity to get them to write blog posts on certain things that, um, that don't often, we don't often have a chance to hear from some of the voices in particular on our blog during this series that, uh, that were just really good. Um, and I think we're helpful in providing a totally different side to some of these isms that, that we wouldn't have even thought to cover in the podcasts or mm -hmm. on Sundays. Uh, and so this has felt like a really comprehensive series to me in the way that we've been able to, to kind of accomplish and tackle it. I'd agree. Yeah. You know, one piece that really I found personally convicting was in the consumerism yeah. uh, section of just going, I have tended to think of myself as not being very consumeristic because mm -hmm. my wife and I, for years, we've kind of been uh, more kind of minimalist side of the spectrum, you know, going, oh, we're not really into stuff and accumulating a bunch of stuff and all. But the observation that today, one of the main forms of consumerism is less about stuff and more about experiences, like yeah. having those yeah. experiences where you get to, whether it's display on Instagram or a up for yourself, just a sense of, I've been to these countries, mm. I've been to those restaurants, I've experienced those things. And, um, and my wife and I literally, we would <laughs> tell, you know, parents, grandparents would say, Hey, what can we get you guys for Christmas? And our line was literally, Oh, we're not really into stuff. We're into experiences. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. do you get us like gift card to someplace yeah. or, and not saying experiences are bad, just like stuff isn't bad. We need it, uh, at one level. And yet, realizing what a driving force that's been to yeah. consume experiences as a way of making what feels like a fulfilling life for yourself. And I love what Ricardo said in that series on, in that, in that sermon on, uh, it's not that consuming is bad. Like mm. I created us to consume, like you don't eat, you die, you know, yeah. but it's the ism. It's kind of when the, that becomes like the driving force of what you think is going to fulfill you in life and the life that gets shaped by that. And that's the interesting thing about all these. I mean, Sari wrote a blog about that. We had Mike Goheen on for the podcast that week. Ricardo did his sermon that week and all kind of hit it from different angles. But I think like, like, like good therapy should be, it helps you have more self-awareness. And I think all of these weeks have helped us have really good self-awareness. None of these things. And I hope that we've hit this hard on all the different channels. None of these things in and of themselves are bad innately, but they can become bad when they become the main thing, when they become the ism. Um, and so being able for us to have self-awareness like that experience, um, uh, thing for you, Josh, and just being able to identify like, Oh shoot, 
I guess that is something I could fall into. And if we have that self-awareness, then we can kind of react uh, in a way that's worshipful to God, um, in a way that's balanced and keeping God as God and not ourselves as God. So Ricardo, how about for you? Is there, has there been some things in particular, certain weeks that have stuck out to you or anything like that? Yeah. Um, so the consumerism ones was a very difficult and good one to prepare and teach because like Josh said, it's the most convicting. Yeah. Um, because I live for experiences. Yeah. I'm looking for the next trip, the next restaurant, the most aesthetically pleasing space that I can be in. I'm looking for, you know, one of the things we talk about, especially me and my oldest son is creating moments and memories. Yeah. And, and again, those are, those are really sweet things. Those are not ungodly, but when they're the driving force, you just realize, man, they're the driving force a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was, that was very convicting. Um, another thing is the hedonism, Mm -hmm. right? Cause like on one hand it's going, we know consumption is not all bad. Mm -hmm. We know being an individual is not bad. God created us as individuals, Mm -hmm. even though we're part of a community. Um, hedonism seems to be always bad. Is there any good in it? Mm -hmm. And I think that is a part of our Christian faith sometimes that maybe we don't realize is that God created pleasure. Mm. So if we're looking at hedonism, the way we talked about it is maximizing pleasure and minimizing pain. Mm. It's going, the pleasure part is not anti-God. Right. I mean, the scriptures let us know that in his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Mm. He's, he has it. Mm. Yeah. The only way for us to truly get it though is actually in him. And so I think that we should, there should be a pursuit of pleasure, but our pursuit of pleasure should be in our pursuit of God. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so I think one theologian, I, I can't remember which one, uh, said that, um, that when it comes to beauty in terms of definition of God, beauty, that God is everything that is to be desired. Hmm. And I think that there is something unique about that, that, uh, that I, I don't get. And so that's been convicting. I think the way forward in the gospel and the understanding of the fullness of the gospel is what I feel like we lack. Um, and I lack is you can't really press into any of these things, the faithful presence without a robust, um, genuine community. Hmm. Yeah. And not, like in a very, like in a very rich way. And I think that that has nothing to do with the size of your church. I think you could be just as surface if you're in a church of 200 or just as surface and as in a church of 3000. Yeah. Um, and I feel like as people, we need to be challenged by each other and with each other and for each other of a, of an alternative way to live out are practicing ways of following Jesus and, in relationship. Mm-hmm. And, um, that might be as simple as eating with people, praying with people and reading our Bible with people. It really might just be mm-hmm. as simple as that. Yeah. And like doing some life together. I think the idea that we've said, in the Bible, we're going to do life together. And we've had this, I mean, we're together five days a week. Don't put a number <laughs> on it. But how about you just eat with some people about Jesus that love Jesus, talk about Jesus and pray with some people and read our Bibles together and allow our lives to be so intertwined that we can constantly wrestle with these things and celebrate some of these things together in, um, in, in everyday life. Yeah. 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 That's good. 
Yeah. You know, I was also struck by the, uh, individualism week on individualism. Yeah. And, uh, there's a quote by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, a famous kind of Jewish thinker. And he says kind of the effect of like, when man tries to become more, uh, man tries to become like God, we actually become less human. Yeah. Thing, you know, yeah. And, and Jim, just the quote that Jim had up there. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Just so Jim's emphasis in that ongoing, it's not individualism versus communalism or collectivism or whatever, yeah. but it's, uh, the individualism in pride trying to establish and exalt ourselves over God or mm -hmm. against God or establish our own identity existence apart from God. And I think we see that really interestingly in the uh, Nebuchadnezzar story that in seeking to become like a God, he actually becomes he sets himself on a trajectory where he becomes like an animal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like he actually yeah. uh, becomes a beast of the field, like animalistic, uh, that the attempt to become more than human has actually made him less than human. Mm. It feels like a dehumanizing impact on his humanity. And it's intriguing to me, like thinking how it's not only that Nebuchadnezzar shapes Babylon, but the Babylon shapes Nebuchadnezzar, mm. you know, that yeah. as king, it's not only that the king shapes the empire, but the empire shapes the king. And uh, the pride of Babylon, the, the pride of the, the system, the history, the structure that Nebuchadnezzar steps into actually shapes his own identity existence. That's convicting for me going, there's so many ways I think, oh, America or our culture is just kind of out there and I'm this distinct, independent. I kind of look on it as if from the outside, but I'm like, no, it's the waters I swim in and our culture shapes us probably way more than we think or believe and in many ways shapes us to think of ourselves independently of God and from God to have kind of identity our own. And I was also struck in that passage on the kind of, um, you know, Nebuchadnezzar has these two dreams and the one is a statue and the other is a tree mm -hmm. and they both represent the th same thing, the empire, Babylon and all. Um, and it's interesting, the contrast is image, the statue, it's a picture of the idol or kind of the, you think it's something that's constructed by people, but the tree is something that's more natural mm -hmm. image, like given by God. Yeah. The one is sort of a, feels like an imperial image and the other is a more organic image in a sense. And, and the emphasis on the first dream, the statue is like, you've tried to build this empire, this life, this structure, this thing apart from God. But the emphasis in the second one, like that tree is that God is actually the one who's grown you, who's exalted you, who's given you everything you have, who's established you um, with the position and the authority and the influence you have. And there's kind of a question, how are you going to use it? Mm -hmm. Like, do you actually recognize the influence, the position, the things you have? to serve God and his world and contribute to the fortune of the world or something to try and exalt yourself over God with and yeah, live on your own. Yeah. That is, I mean, that one that's insightful and, and, um, another insightful thing, uh, for me in this is these decisions that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, like they, they didn't happen like on the spot. Like, mm -hmm. I think, I don't think it was like, mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Today's the day they've asked us not to bow down and pray. Mm -hmm. So now's my moment, right? It's going to be marked in history. It's going to mm -hmm. be written in the Bible. I think that's just who they've been. Mm -hmm. And I think there had been a practice and a steady practice of like, this is how we live. How could we live any other way? Mm -hmm. um, I think that that struck me as like, I don't know if there was a conscious decision to say now's today that we're going to do this as opposed to we've learned from our ancestors. We've been kicked out of essentially Jerusalem, our home, because they didn't worship God. If there's one thing we're going to get mm. right, yeah. we're going to worship God. And I think for mm. me, just even emotionally, there's this sense of going, wait, Lord, I don't know if we've, if we've answered that question. We might've said, mm. if there's one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to make sure doctrines, you know, if there's one thing I'm going to have, I'll make sure that theologically we're accurate. If there's one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to make sure that we make disciples, like all really good things. Mm. Worship. 
like if there's one thing we're going to get right, it's going to be worship. And we'll let that dictate everything else. Like our worldview will be through the lens of worship so that when the lion's den comes mm. or when we're called to bow down to the idols or when we find ourselves drifting towards being driven by the experiences of this life, we're trying to maximize pleasure and minimize pain or trying to look after number one, um, assimilating to the culture or trying to withdraw out of fear. Like there's a sense of going, no, no, no. Like we're going to worship God. And there's this like, there's this, that, that, you know, the scripture that says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I wonder if in the case of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the case of redemption, if we're delighting ourselves in the Lord and worship that he doesn't mm. just very well change the desires of our hearts. Mm. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, I mean, we're, so we're talking a lot of recap of our series now, but moving into sort of the implications moving forward, kind of, uh, specifically putting on our pastor hats here. Uh, one of the things that I have appreciated of this series is that each week we're looking at it. Um, there's, there's some framework that we're talking about that's been consistent every week. And it's this idea of we don't want to assimilate, but we don't want to avoid. What does it look like to be a faithful presence? Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, I always want to be kind of careful in the way that I say this, but we don't have a passive faith um, in the sense of like, there really is a real responsibility for us as Christians to be active. Um, you know, and, and I say, I want to be careful about it because it's not like we save ourselves. That was Jesus, obviously. But, but in the sense of like, I guess the term sanctification or, or becoming more like Christ and this walk, there is a part of it that we have. Um, mm. and I think in the sense of this series, there's, there's way more isms, if you will, mm. that we could have covered that we deal with today. But I think a really helpful thing is the framework of that we could probably apply to many areas of our life, even the ones we didn't cover during the series of, um, okay, here's this thing. Uh, how, how, what would it look like to assimilate fully? What would it look like to co completely avoid? And now what does the Bible actually call me to? Mm. How can I actually be a faithful presence here? So I kind of want to let, let's, let's park there for just a second. And, and what does that look like for you guys? Implications moving forward, people listening to this podcast based on this series. Yeah. Well, two themes that come to mind for me, uh, one is like the personal dimension and the other is like the corporate dimension, collective dimension. So on the personal dimension, I'm struck by Daniel six and just this image where Daniel is praying towards Jerusalem and he's serving in the heights of Babylon. And so I, I think of these seems like prayer, hope and service, mm -hmm. you know, and so prayer going, David, Daniel has this rhythm where he is setting his gaze and attention on God. He's bringing who he is and where he's at before his maker and he's mm -hmm. allowing God to shape and form and we speak into him in his life. And the picture of him looking towards Jerusalem, like he's got his eyes set on the kingdom, on like where his true hope lies. There's a vision. His, his horizon is bigger than Babylon. Mm -hmm. Like he, he lives faithfully within Babylon, but he can do so because his eyes are set on something bigger than Babylon. A future that, hope. The maybe? future hope. Oh. Exactly. That future hope. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> See what we did there? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Future hope. The but we don't have any of that now, do we, John? <laughs> do we have any of the future hope today, Josh? Yes, we do. We do. That we, as followers of Jesus, we look towards the new Jerusalem. 
Jerusalem, yeah. the coming heaven coming to earth, like God's vision, Revelation 21, 22, where God brings heaven to earth and mm-hmm. reconciles and restores. He establishes his kingdom from there. And that picture at the end of Revelation, God tears down Babylon in order to make way for and establish his kingdom and to draw his people, every nation, tribe, and tongue, people out from the empire and into the kingdom. You know? yeah. So our hope is on this bigger horizon of God's coming kingdom. And when you have that, I think it allows you to not be defined by Babylon, but to serve within Babylon. Yeah. Right. That you can actually like Daniel serve faithfully in the midst of the existing structure and way things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the collective side too, but I've been talking for a bit, so I'm going to hold that. Oh, so you're going to, you're going to ask <laughs> the baton over to Ricardo, Ricardo, Ricardo what you got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think Josh should probably finish because what if I have something to say that's completely different than that? Oh, okay. All right. Totally. All right. Well, on the collective side, uh, theologians and scholars often uh, remark on how Daniel 6 and Daniel 7 are connected. Um, and so in Daniel 6, you have this image of Daniel, famous story thrown in the lion's den. Mm-hmm. So Daniel's surrounded by the beast, but he's faithful to God and God vindicates and delivers him and brings him out from the pit, out from the beast. And Daniel 7, you have this picture of the Son of Man. Uh, it's a picture of I- Israel and ultimately the Messiah who's surrounded by these four beasts that want to devour. And these beasts are a picture of kingdoms or empires that are kind of raging in God's world. Many believe it's like Babylon and Rome and the Greco-Roman Empire and world and all. And, and so, um, whereas Daniel 6 emphasizes the personal dimension where Daniel's living faithfully amidst the beast of Babylon, so to speak, and these animals want to devour. Daniel 7 emphasizes the corporate dimension of, I think, the church or the people of God, Israel or the church in the midst of the powerhouses of the day that are trying to rule and ravage the earth without God and want to devour. Uh, but ultimately, uh, this faithful son of man surrounded by the beast, it's a picture of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus, the most common, popular, frequent phrase he uses to describe himself is son of man. It's not Messiah. It's not Christ. It's not Son of God. Even those are important. He always, he regularly and repeatedly and consistently refers to himself as the son of man, drawing back on Daniel seven, going, he is the one who lives faithfully in the midst of the powerhouses of the world, even when they gnash and drag and devour and tear him down into the grave. And yet through his faithful presence, God raises him up as the beginning of the new creation. Mm -hmm. And so this whole series of Daniel and his faithful presence, I think becomes a foreshadowing of Christ and his faithful presence to us. So ultimately I think what, empowers our faithful presence, we can be faithfully present to God because God has been faithfully present to us. Like God's faithful presence to us in Christ empowers and enables our lives as followers of Jesus, as the church to live faithfully present in the midst of the kind of bestial powerhouses of the world. Yeah, that's good. You're, you're smart, Josh. You should write a book. (laughs) You should write a few books. I think about that was really helpful. That's why I didn't Try to break <laughs> break that up, that one together. Well, I think about uh, movement versus presence, <laughs> and not one over the other. But move, everyone's starting a movement now. <laughs> like we want a movement mm-hmm. of, we want a movement above, and there's just like this, almost like numbers. Like if we get more mm-hmm. people to start a movement, where I guess for us, when I think about reading through Daniel. It, it, it didn't seem something that was like wildly numerical. Mm-hmm. It seemed like something that was just wildly faithful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so if there's such thing as takeaways, which there ought to be, I think there's something of going, how can I just be faithful with the people in whom worship, I worship God with and, and to my friends and mm-hmm. to my family and to my community and so forth. Um, and so I'm not avoiding culture. 
but at the same time, I'm not using culture in such a way to, to get my Christian, to advance my Christian thought as opposed to I'm actually like resting in like the work of God through the power of the spirit mm-hmm. and God working in and through us for his agenda um, and his a kingdom agenda. And so sometimes it seems, it seems like, Oh, it seems like we're advancing. Sometimes it seems like we're not. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I think there's some seasons of that where it's going to look like, wow, we're really making an impact. I mean, like where we're in these schools, we're getting tutoring, we're caring for the refugees and the poor. Like we can see the quote unquote, impact. You know, mm-hmm. people love that. And mm-hmm. then there's a moments we're going to be equally as faithful, if not more faithful. And we're going, man, it doesn't, looks like we're getting our butts mm-hmm. kicked. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just the ebb and flow of living in Babylon, you know, yeah. um, there's moments where God shows up and he rescues Daniel. And there's probably another Daniel that we didn't hear about. Mm-hmm. who didn't get rescued. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. moments where he shows up for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there were another you know, Shadrach, Misha, and Domingo, we didn't hear about because he didn't. And not because he's not as faithful to us. It's just going, that is the ebb and flow mm. of living in the tension of the world in which we live in. Yeah. Um, and there's beauty. I think there's absolute beauty and, uh, and just following Jesus in the mundane. Mm-hmm. So you asked like, what is it for us? And I'll say something here. Um, I actually think that more people should stick around <laughs> longer. Yeah. And this is coming from someone who's always got the temptation, the pool to be somewhere else, you yeah. know, and especially for me to be, you know, in California with my family or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, that I think that if you're gonna, I mean, I've heard someone say it like this. If, if you're going to stay here for two years, try to stay four. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to stay for four, maybe eight. Um, and, mm. and just do not, underestimate the value of a theology of presence. Yeah. And that is you being here and being faithful, being here, not just showing up on a Sunday, but being in the lives of people over a long period of time, what that does to the faithfulness of God's presence here in this particular city. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's good. And I think it's helpful, even the language they used of movement versus presence, um, and I was even, I kind of had a mini conviction while you were talking about that because, uh, there, the idea of like a sprint versus a marathon, I'm a marathon guy, uh, in general, not that I could do a marathon cause I couldn't, <laughs> um, if I could do a mile, I would be surprised, but just the, the sort of concept of I, I'm way more of a, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm going to do the same thing over a long period of time and see results. And I think that this sort of series is easy for someone who's like me to sort of get on my high horse and be like, see, we should all be, we should all be marathon, like over the long term." And there's a lot of truth to that, but even that in and of itself can become an ism, right? Cause we need sprint people. We need movement people because there are times in very real ways where God is working and moving. And there are people who sense that. And we need those people to, to wake us up and say, no, 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 right now we really all need to look at this thing. We have, God is moving. Let's jump on it. Um, and so again, just thinking about this series, faithful presence, God made, that's the beauty of how God's made us all different, um, as brothers and sisters in a diverse community where we can all contribute those gifts that, that he's given to us. And I happen to be a marathon guy. So I'll be the one to be like, Hey, calm down. Rome wasn't built in a day. We'll, we'll get through this. Let's do this in the long haul. And then even on our staff, I've got, um, brothers and sisters in the faith who are like, you know what, Greg, actually you need to kind of step up your pace a little bit. Let's, let's do this. 
And I think that that a series like this really helps us to look back and see the good in, in how God moves in all of those things. So that's really helpful. Um, I think that's a good bookend to our exile series. I didn't, we, you know, before podcasts, we always prep and talk about what, where are we going to go with this one? We didn't really talk about this, but I'll throw it out there and, and we can kind of roll with what comes up here. But our next series that we're starting next week is Advent, uh, already, which is crazy. The beginning of December. So, um, the Advent series is going to be, uh, based on John one and, um, the, the word became flesh and we'll look at the way I'm describing it is the first week is the noun. So we're looking at Jesus and then the, the next three weeks are the verbs. So the things that Jesus does, but in, in general, looking at this idea of Jesus during Advent and um, maybe just some teasers, like how are you guys feeling about the Advent uh, series and the Advent season? We've got affordable Christmas, a lot of stuff coming up. Any thoughts uh, on that or the series? Well, first, my favorite season of the year, the weather's already changed. Yeah. It's starting to get good. You're reminded why <laughs> you live in Arizona. Um, and in terms from a series standpoint, um, this is a great time because we do wrap in a lot of things. We're bringing yeah. in... Um, gifts for people. We're making Christmas affordable for, um, under-resourced and under-resourced and underserved people in our community. And so we're engaged in the presence of people's lives, um, which is amazing in terms of the content of this series where we're just come out of a series where we're pushing towards faithful presence. That is our response to God. Mm -hmm. Um, what we're leaning into in Christmas is actually God's presence with us, Mm -hmm. his response, his Mm -hmm. gracious response. Mm to our sin mm-hmm. and our brokenness. And yeah. so um, we're looking at that famous verse that he, that he put on flesh and he dwelt with us. Or as Eugene Peterson says in the paraphrase of the message that God moved into our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And um, what does it look like to, to, to live in and understand the presence of God. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, That'll be really good. Definitely. Yeah. I'm really uh, excited about affordable Christmas, yeah. man. Uh, this will be my first year here for that. And just hearing, hearing more, learning more about it. One of the things that really uh, excites me is I think often with initiatives like that, it can kind of be, we want to go and bring the gifts and give them to the kids directly and all. And obviously that's, that's a good heart, you know, wanting to do that. But if you're the parent, those kids that can actually feel like, you know, a sense of loss of dignity or shame or man, I, I wish I could get presents for my kids, but I can't. And one of the things I love about affordable Christmas is it's actually bringing dignity to the parents, the children and empowering them to be able to yeah. love their kids well and to actually have a day that celebrates them and is fun and they can come and, uh, and, and be involved in figuring out the, the gifts that they're going to be able to go and bless their kids mm-hmm. with. And so it's just a powerful witness to those, those families and uh, something I'm really stoked we're able to do as a church. And then for the series, yeah, just, um, Christmas, it's, uh, it, it can almost become, cliche in our culture, you know, like the, Mm -hmm. it's a season where it feels like it's driven by shopping lists and to do things and, and just traffic jams and credit card debt and all the craziness. And I think being able to recenter ourselves around the extravagance of the God who's come for us in Christ and just that, um, it's the beginning of everything. Mm-hmm. It's the, the beginning of God with us. So I'm, I'm really excited about, uh, we talked earlier about that future hope, you know, the, the advent and the advent, the, the, mm-hmm. the advent of Christ coming and how it foreshadows and speaks to the advent of God coming ultimately in mm-hmm. Christ to redeem and restore his world. Yeah. It's, it's my, I, I think I would say it's my favorite time of year. I love Advent season and, um, I'm looking forward to, uh, 
to the podcasts and blogs, um, AC, who's been, he's one of my fellow, uh, co-pilots here on the, on the podcast series. He put together all of our, our advent, um, podcasts and he's gotten some blog writers and we're going to be exploring as we're going through the advent series, we're going to be talking about, um, spiritual rhythms. So, um, you know, God is here with us. How do we do that? Uh, how do we experience that? How do we intentionally pursue God? Um, it's going to be really good. He's got some really good guests, uh, for those podcasts. And we've got some good blog writers that are going to have, um, some helpful, uh, content as well. So looking forward to that in the meantime, uh, that is going to wrap up our time on this week's yep, podcast. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. We're looking forward to seeing you guys this Sunday, uh, for the start of Advent and, uh, yeah, that'll wrap up this week's podcast. So again, thanks for listening. Uh, subscribe if you haven't already. And if you have any questions, um, that maybe we didn't cover, uh, or just questions about our church in general, feel free to shoot me an email at greglindsay at redemptionaz.com. But until then, this has been another podcast of Redemption Tempe, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. Jesus.